You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Really excited to bring you today's episode. It's going to be a Zen episode today because we have Nisha Radia on as a guest. And Nisha just so happens to be trained in classical dance, yoga, and meditation alongside fitness training. And um, she's had a very interesting journey. She was an ex-corporate banker and she's since turned to like the holistic world. So Without further ado, let's welcome Nisha to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Really lovely to be here. <laughs> Nisha, for those that don't know, give us a brief, brief background on what you do. Okay, so what I do. Um, so I work in the main realms of uh, yoga, meditation and Indian classical dance. But uh, as I've been doing these over the years, they go very hand in hand. Yeah. So with these three core subjects comes, you know, food, diet, self-awareness, comes self-study, comes um, fitness training, um, creativity. So over the years, picking up all sorts of different tools, I would say now today, I think what I do is really about bringing it all together and allowing all the experience um, and learnings, my own self-practice, mainly guided by self-practice, to, to really come to fruition. Um, so that's what I do, but um, in terms of yoga teaching, I'm big on mindful movement, more about how you're doing things, very much on meditation and breath work, and people really connecting to themselves. Um, and I do this for a brand that I created called Huge Lifestyle, which means to connect to all aspects of yourself all of you, um, mm-hmm. and really was, was born out of um, listening to people, listening to clients I worked with, um, listening to myself, and thinking about everything that I've been doing, thinking about my path, mm-hmm. um, and I feel in this day and age what we need the most, more than anything, is meaning and connection. Um, so meaningful and connected living is really what I inspire to, to hold a space for others to delve in deeper. And I, I use various tools, um, meeting people where they're at, really, working with clients, meeting them where they're at, and just plucking things um, and putting them into one space uh, to take them on in a bit of an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've had a very interesting journey. So you're an ex-corporate banker, is yeah, that correct? Yeah. Tell us how that came, how you came about to leave banking and move on to yoga. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I always say that I fell into into the wellness path. So... I think from a young age, if I backtrack, from, from a young age, I was really always into philosophy and uh, self-development and just experiencing things, you know, just creativity and expression. Um, I was dancing from the age of six and I, I went through a whole journey of Bollywood dance professionally, but also sort of uh, at a community kind of hobby level, um, you know, and I... I was really drawn to India, and it wasn't because I'm Indian in terms of roots. You know, my parents don't have family there, and and although they took me there from a young age, the pull didn't come from there. It came from this this sense of um, understanding that there was something there, something spiritual, a presence there for me to really kind of uh, explore. And I and and I think 
I was one of those kids that was in school at the age of 17 and always felt there was more. Like, surely these four walls can't be it. And questioning why we're doing things the way we are. And I was I was quite a self-reflective person. I, was, I needed a lot of um, uh, processing time and reflection time. And that has never left me. So I think it's been, you know, that sense of looking for my purpose has always been there. How did you find that in India? Um, so basically I... Uh, did my economics degree um then, you know, pretty much like any kid think okay I need to do a degree um did it economics and I wanted to do economics to to do something for the world right so I thought maybe I'd work for the UN I don't know or you know but it, it, that wasn't my path and I, I went into banking for two years and then I left to go to India for about five six months and that came about from um, when I was working for a Bollywood company on the side in my free time and dancing. And we'd come in touch and interaction with a lot of charities that are based in India and really interesting charities working with slum kids, um, create, you know, creative projects. So that was my pool. And then I, I nearly joined a program and spent a few grand on one of these programs that takes you abroad and you do something for the local community. But I ended up kind of compiling my own trip together through contacts and um, so my time in India, I worked with uh, kids near um, Tamil Nadu around Pondicherry for about a month, worked in a school there, and I ended up naturally going towards the arts because it was lacking. So kids were still being hit with the you know, the rulers in the classrooms. They were really dingy and um, they had no art and no creativity there. So I naturally started to use my tools. So um, did a, like a, a project to try and bridge the teacher and the student divide to try and sort of be like okay where are the issues coming from here um and did a drawing competition and so the teachers had to work with the kids and there was just a really nice spirit and so I started to do things like that just anything that was in my power to do teaching dance um and then I went around to different NGOs and I um worked with uh, all different charities uh just really kind of trying to understand what poverty was really about. It mattered to me. I didn't, I wasn't comfortable that I was living one way when, when there were others who were living another way. It just didn't make sense. So um, my journey continued, but unfortunately I got very, very sick. So there's this, there's this term seva, which is to, to, to give, to offer, um, you know, service, to spend your life in service. And I think I always wanted to spend my life in service. And my purpose wanted to be around service. So you can start seeing the traits, you know, within You say within you got decisions. very sick. So I got very sick and I had, um, this led to quite a big operation. I had a small sort of abscess uh, around my tailbone and I had to have it locally operated while I was sort of on my travels. And they gave me some very strong painkillers, which rubbed the lining of my stomach and basically punctured two holes. And I didn't know this was happening. And India's one of those places where, you know, you you toughen up, you know, after a few months of living there, it's a very kind of fearless culture that you forget that you're not built, <laughs> you're not born and bred there, you're not built for that, you've come from Western society, so your system's a little bit more, let's say, milder. Um, so I kind of, I ignored the symptoms, because um, I was already quite integrated into the culture, but uh, it ended up uh, leading to a, quite an emergency operation. So it was an ICU um, you know, without family for some time. I had a family friend who flew in. I was in the middle of the desert, like up north in in Buj. And uh it was it was the most the, the biggest learning really for that is is from that is um that you know you you think that those who have nothing 
have nothing. It's absolutely not true. I, I walked away just feeling like, you know, who's really in poverty here? You know, I, I felt that the Western world were in poverty in terms of spirit, in terms of happiness, because the people I did meet along the way and the people who took care of me, many of them had nothing, but they gave me everything. And I did not, for, for one moment, did I feel unsafe. Uh, I felt very calm during the whole process of rebuilding. It took me some weeks. Um, I didn't feel any panic because they they offered me a lot of love, a lot of care. And I, and I went away with that sentiment when I went back home. And that stuck with me and continued my journey. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Did you do any of your training in India for your yoga? So my intention was to do meditation out there. I wanted to meditate from a young age. I just felt it um, I read about it so I had booked myself in for a Vipassana course which is the silent course that you do about 10 days um, and uh, it was in the sort of mother center so I thought that would be a very cool thing to do um, but I got sick just before that so I came back but that meant that my search continued when I got home and I found a postcard in a health shop that sort of had meditation on it and this was back in 2006 um, I went to the class and that meditation class was the last one that this teacher was teaching. And he said, well, why don't you come to my yoga class? And I said, I don't want to do yoga. Like, I don't want to do poses. You know, I dance. I move in that way. But I'm not into the postures. I just don't understand it. But he said, just come along and see. And that is when my journey began. And that's who I did my training with. Mm. Um, the training itself was really intense, although it was in London. It's a whole other sort of story, but I, I switched jobs by then. I went back into banking when I got back for two years because my ex-boss called me up, lured me back in. Um, and then I left again at the peak of my career, actually. He sort of said, you have an option to manage a team or, um, you know, stick to project work. I just got promoted. Meanwhile, I did a course, um, which is counselling and therapeutic play skills, working with children. And that weekend, I met um, a really eccentric lady called Camilla, um, I can never say her surname, Badmalindish, I think. She's uh, She was the founder of Kids Company, which is a large charity in London working with marginalised kids. So she offered me a job. I met her at the comedy store. They were fundraising for, for her charity, and she offered me a job. So I decided to go for it. Um, and I was key working youths in Brixton, you know, uh, kids who've been succumbed to sort of drugs and alcohol and um, single parents and trying to work with parents who have young kids to access the kids and kind of just be a positive role model and really think about throwing... The, the ethos was love. Um, so I was working with her and I left. Um, I left because mum got diagnosed with cancer and uh, she also looked me in the eye one time in a meeting and said, you don't really want to be here. Your passion is dance and yoga. Because at this time I was fully fledged into my yoga sort of, uh, you know, my yoga practice. So I left and when I left just call it divine timing but I fell into yoga training so my yoga training was I wasn't working I was there for a full year um immersed with with my teacher in his trainings the charity that he had at the time we were seeing cancer patients doing all sorts of things at the yoga shows um assisting teaching small classes um and it was real deep work <laughs> it was tough yeah it was a real although it was in London it felt like 
being in an ashram. Amazing. In You've recently moved to Dubai. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How long have you been living in Dubai? Uh, it's been about five to six months now. And you're going to continue with your company in Dubai. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yoga teachers in Dubai. Yes. It's recently like gone crazy. Yeah. What would you say is special about yourself and different? Um, I think every, you know, here's my sort of advocation for every yoga teacher out there, but there's room for every single yoga teacher. The fact there is an explosion in the world in general means that we're starting to understand that yoga is a way of life and people are starting to understand what that really means and people are seeking. So, I mean, what makes me different is um, my whole 12 12 years of stuff that I've been doing. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in the fact that, you know, people do come to you if you're the right person for them and vice versa, you know, I've got to be, I've got to be the right person, I've got to feel that they're the right person for me, um, and I'm still growing and learning, you know, so my practice, I, I feel what I do that is probably different, um, and I'm, I'm trying to be bolder about, is although I've trained in vinyasa, hatha, um, special children, I've done, you know, um, training in, in pregnancy now, um, dance, Indian classical dance, fitness, I, I, I tend not to segregate myself, I don't believe, I think, I think one thing that I, I would love to see the yoga industry do is, is somehow break down these categories because that's just not real. You know, when you wake up, you know, on a given day, you're a different person almost every day. I know we all look for stability, we look for consistency, but half the issue is we don't meet ourselves where we're at. Now, if, if I have um, a client who is highly stressed, walks into the room and uh, we planned a vinyasa-style class, but actually the best thing I can do for that client is, is to focus them on grounding and, and, and releasing that overwhelm and getting space between their thoughts and experience and something else. And that's what I'm going to do. And, and so my classes are very much like that. They're very in, quite intuitive. I, I pull along, uh, pull out of my toolbox, really. Um, and I work with who I attract. So I think, if anything, that, that makes me unique. I, I'm known for my voice and meditation um and sort of breath work instruction i ended up doing quite a bit of work on that in london with people and meditation um and that was my beginning so i think i've got a bit of a soft spot for that mm-hmm. and mindful movement because i think the body's fascinating um strength and flexibility go together and yoga for me i'm not into i'm into power and strength but i'm not into necessary flexibility I can't do all those poses I don't have a desire to my yoga practice serves me differently and my biggest thing I would say I say to people and you know to clients is you know if you're not meeting yourself where you're at if your yoga mat isn't a place where you're not pushing and judging and trying to strive for uh you know achievement physically then what why are you here then go go and do something else because yoga is is the only place you can go to which is your safe haven where you can show up just as you are and just work with it, work with that and fully see it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no other place that exists that's like that, you know. So it's got to be purposeful. It's got to be a purposeful practice. I focus a lot on this podcast about mental health. Mm. How important is that to you and how can your practice help with positive mental health? Yeah, hugely. Um Hugely. I mean, from personal experience as well, which I'll go into a little bit. But um, for me, first of all, mental health isn't a condition. It's something we all have. 
And I think that bit of reframing around uh, mental health not being a negative, but actually being a facet of who we are, just like your physical body, you know, you've got a mental side, you do have an emotional and you do have a spiritual side. So, so first of all, I would say that um, approaching mental health as that, so that you, you give yourself permission to see yourself just as you are. So whether you're having a good day or a bad day, and that's different for everybody, you know, um, and that changes through phases as well. But you're able to see both sides of the coin rather than pushing it away. And I think me- mental health is so, so important. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's great in terms of the movements that have happened, even in the UK. I mean, the stats were about one in three around the time I left, which were alarming of people who are suffering from mental health. But I think the the issue we run into with mental health and with mental health awareness and stuff is there's a little bit of a risk of actually you you giving away your power to that, you know, because I think, you know, the more that we start to think we have a condition, the more we sometimes think we're helpless. And for 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 me, yoga is actually the opposite. It's about giving power back to the people um, mentally. It's about understanding, you know, being able to pick up on when, you know, when you have moments in your day, you know, where there are triggers, where are your triggers, where are your, where's your capacity, when do you start to say no, you know, when can you start to sense yourself reacting, can you even see the thoughts you're having, and and meditation is all about that, it's about the ability to create space between the thoughts you're having, not stop them, but create space between the thoughts and another part of yourself which is almost like a third party looking above you you know it's almost like that's your center you know that's there's space between your wisdom and all that chatter that inner chatter you mm-hmm. know because we get caught up in this day and age and, and we all know about it now it's talked about so much digital technology social media that we are being influenced left right and center the information overload is is alarming that if we don't have something like yoga and wellness, and I'm not talking fitness, fitness is separate, but if we're not having a practice that is working on mental training, resilience, um, self-regulation, stress management, anxiety, all those things, because we all have anxiety in some form or another, then I think we're going to get ourselves into trouble. And that's where my passion really lies, is just to, to really mm-hmm. try and help people. Why do you see fitness and the mindfulness and the yoga different? <laughs> Um, yeah, interesting. So I don't see it as different and I don't, I'm not saying it's any less. I'm just saying, well, it's not any less. It's just different. I've been fitness training, you know, just side by side with what I do. And I love it. I love it. Um, and I would always encourage people to do that as well as yoga, um, and meditation, but the benefits are completely different. And I think also if you don't, I think if you have some meditation or mindfulness training, it's a game changer for your fitness training and vice versa. Because otherwise, the risk you run into in fitness training is it's very, it could be very body imagery based. Your why is really important, like anything, your why. You know, and, and you're missing out on the opportunity to practice fitness with still some kindness and active self-love. And I think if we're not doing that, then we're actually doing harm. We're actually creating a dialogue that is pushing and pushing um, perhaps for the wrong reasons. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. I, I love to feel and look good in my body, aesthetically, um, and, and it helps me with what I do. But 
it, it comes from um it comes from a bit more of a grounded place or with awareness mm-hmm. you know and i think i think you could very much practice fitness without self-awareness do you have a quick two-minute meditation or guided meditation that you could do with myself yes. and the listeners let's do it <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so first thing is meditation is pretty much 50% posture. So if we just try and focus on our posture, so just sit in an upright position and don't worry about doing anything that's too unnatural for your body. Just a gentle spine, straightening, and your feet flat, just around hip width apart on the floor, and you can do this in your chair. Okay, and just keep your chin parallel to the ground. And your palms can be facing down or upwards towards the ceiling. Take a deep breath in. And a sharp exhale out. Imagine your seat sinking into the chair and take another deep breath in. Sharp exhale out. The breath is sinking down into your feet. And keeping your face nice and soft. Your eyeballs resting in its socket. The eyelids just trailing over like silks and just softening the face. Just imagine that you've got roots of a tree underneath both feet. The sensation of sucking downwards into the earth, into the core of the earth. Ever so cooling, comforting. Just imagine that these roots are drawing all this sort of loose, wired energy away from the body into the ground. Just sense your shoulders softening away from your ears. The flesh of your butt cheeks just relaxing and the inner thighs, the lower back softens. Keep your attention between your eyebrows. Really soft gaze. Taking yourself back to a time when you're looking up at the sun drawing that energy through into the forehead as though the brain, the weight, the mass of the brain dissolving and this light seeps further down illuminating all the cells in your body all the corners turning all the darkness into light back towards your seat and taking a nice easy long breath in really nice smooth long exhale out bringing your chin down towards your chest just opening up your eyes keeping your eyeballs still taking the world from the inside out rather than the outwards Bring gentle movement back into your body. Just holding on to the experience, your own authentic experience. Using that as a benchmark as you go on to continue your day.
very quick. Minutes that oh, people can do. <laughs> I was I was away then. Honestly, very quick. Yeah, I could have stayed there forever. <laughs> that was lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's something that everyone can do. Really, the principle is this. And although it's around imagery, that was just a very simple guided meditation. What we really did was thinking about grounding and rooting. So the moment we hold, you know, muscle tension. Um, all the time in our bum, actually, in our glutes. So already by sort of thinking, oh, wait, am I, am I holding on to something? And if you're not sure, you can squeeze and release. By already starting to relax the muscles, you, you feel the sense of sinking into the seat and sinking into the feet. You're starting to ground your energy. Mm. Is that why quickly. when I have a massage, it sounds a bit weird, I always like it when they massage the top of my bum. Mm. Yeah. I think they think I'm a bit funny. Same with your massage there. It's a, and a it just seems to release yeah. a lot of tension. Yeah. 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 We hold a lot of tension right there. So mm. little cues like that really help. And not realizing, we don't think of our brain as having muscles, right? Like thinking takes work. Your, your, your muscles are working, all the ligaments and stuff around your brain. And your brain is, you know, it's, it's a big organ, you know, at the end of the day. And we confuse the brain with the mind, but the brain is an organ. And I think if you can just indicate to people, even around here, how to switch those off over time, they can learn how to switch that off and how to release the jaw. You know, everything's recalibrating back to a neutral position. And so things, the, the, the system is amazing like that. This is science. We are working with the parasympathetic nervous system and we can access it through the breath and through things like this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I personally find it also powerful I actually didn't want to wake up then. <laughs> kind of just felt like I was just at home and I could have just stayed there. For we'll like, have to do a 30 minute meditation. Yeah, we'll have to do a 30 minute meditation. <laughs> just a meditation. I personally started doing a lot of healing mm -hmm. and um, I've been doing a lot of the Joe Dispenser healing, which is really powerful. And um, I mean, I actually tingle mm -hmm. when, I, when I'm doing it. So it's, you know, it's all about kind of, um, you know, separating your energy mm. into the universe from your body, which your body is matter. Yes. I probably don't explain this very well. Mm -hmm. I, quite often I just like trust the process yeah. and go with it. Very much like when I go to India and I have my Panchakarma, which I've been doing for nine years. Amazing. You know, if anyone were to really ask me what it's about, I can give them a very simple explanation without yeah. all the Sanskrit words. <laughs> yeah, of course. But... You know, for me, it's just, I know it works and it's just about trusting the process. Absolutely. And it's the same with this healing. And I'm finding that it's not easy because it's very much about being in the present. It's yeah. about setting your intention and then having an emotion associated with that tension, intention. Because mm. when that is present in the in the present, in the here and now, mm. then, and you're setting the emotion, it becomes a reality. Yes. And I find it quite challenging when I'm doing the meditation because quite often I don't feel like I'm in the present. Mm. I'm in the past and I'm thinking of things in the past. Yeah. Or I'm thinking of things in the future rather than the present here and now, which is where you're, 
your intention is supposed to be. You're supposed to be imagining the emotion that you would feel with whatever your intention is. So it could be a change of career, it could be having a baby, or it could be numerous things. But then you, you know, you have the emotion that is attached with that. And um, I actually just tingle from, I can feel the energy in my body. I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience when I'm doing that. I feel like my body is just there, but my life and my energy force is like, in the quantum field, in the universe. You create your reality just exactly by what you're thinking and feeling in that moment. And if it's potent enough, if it has enough volition, and I don't mean, you know, a wish is one thing, you know, and a wish and a desire, but if you have volition and you really put all of your belief and faith into that emotion that you're trying to manifest, it actually... It works, and I've, I, I'm a big believer, and I and I do some of those things in my meditations too, and I've used it in my work, you know. And I had this huge performance that was a big deal, you know, to our performance, and I used to just visualize my meditations myself on that stage, how it looked, how it felt, um, the the sort of caliber of people who I was going to invite. Um, it it worked. It really does work, and I think it's kind of like affirmations. I think affirmations aren't just words, and I think sometimes we can forget that affirmations, it's really not about the words. It's about the feeling and the emotion you attach to those words, and I think it's a very personal thing. Um, And it's something I want to sort of be able to to help people more with, because I think often we kind of say set an intention, but it's like, what does that mean? Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. And, and I think it's really important. It's such a powerful thing. But yeah. We need to break it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I do these meditations and I feel, wow, that was amazing. Mm. I really, that was a really good one. Mm. Other times, it's pretty much just how you described then, like you have a wish. And I'm thinking, well, how is this working? My mind's wandering when it shouldn't. Yeah. It's wandering. I'm thinking about the past. Yeah. Like everyone does when they start meditation. It's Sometimes it's quite easy just to kind of be present and just to focus. They start thinking about what, you know, what they had for the dinner or what they're going to eat. Or they start thinking about the argument they had with the boyfriend or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, you know, some days, for me, and it's when I do it at the end of the day. For me, it's better when I do it at the beginning of the day. Yeah. But it's about making the time for myself mm. to be able to do that right at the beginning of the day. Because at that, you're waking up and you have a very fresh mind, yeah. which isn't tarnished by any of the negativity that you experience, the exhaustion that you experience yes. throughout the day. Yeah. So just starting the day with a fresh mind. Mm. And I find it a lot easier to focus and be present mm. when I'm doing that. Yeah when I'm doing it on a morning. And that's when I have my most successful kind of meditations. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. And that completely makes sense too as well because I think it's almost, you know, meditation is like a reset, it's like a flushing out. And to forget that actually when we sleep, we're, we're traveling, like we're going through into our subconscious and, you know, all sorts of things are being relived or even being created. And, and it's actually the most... We go through all the different states that we're we're actually very creative during our sleep, and if we don't capitalize on that and go straight into our day, um, then you know it's kind of we're missing out on something. And also, we can wake up feeling very fearful and very lost. 
You know, we can go into autopilot mode thinking this is the plan I had. But imagine if actually you took time to connect with yourself first, create a space where things are calm. You'll have the ability to actually switch your plan to serve your purpose in terms of producing greater productivity because you will sense what are the things on your to-do list that really need to be done can wait. What are you really, what have you woken up to? What kind of energy have you woken up to in yourself? Some days you might feel more creative, you see. Some days you do naturally wake up feeling more, there's more creativity that comes to you. Some days, you know, it may not be the case at all and that might be a good day for administrative tasks. You know, and it's it's just an example. But the truth is, is we're not the same every day. We can coach ourselves to be, and that's where we get ourselves into a bit of trouble when sometimes we can't shift through that state and we're fighting and then we're hiding ourselves saying, why don't we get this done? You know, I'm trying to get this project done. It really needs to get done and I just can't think properly. You know, because we're not in the right state and we have to do something about that. You have to coach yourself into the right state and if you can't, know when to step away and do something else. And I think meditation at the beginning of the day does give you that space right at the start. You've got a bit of a head start um, so that you, yeah, you can really kind of connect with yourself, see what you're working with, mm-hmm. you know, because some days you wake up, you're going and you might actually be quite, you might be anxious and sometimes we don't know why we're feeling that anxiety. Your energy might be low, but at least you've had some time to process it, you know, Um and also keep checking in with your why, with your purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing every day? Because that that runs out, you know, and we have to keep stocking that up and mm-hmm. keep keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of the world is talking on to morning routines massively with meditations and journaling and goal planning and exercise and, you know, the, there's rituals and uh, habits. And I think... Yeah, they're, they're so relevant even in my own life. Like, you know, I, I know, like, when I'm not when I'm not meditating, like, you know, sometimes it just everything just goes loopy. And I, I really, I, I'm of a nature, of a constitution. Um, some of us need it more than others, you know. I think, my, like, my husband's quite calm and collected and, you know, centred, but I know my energy can be quite volatile. So I actually really need something more mm-hmm. perhaps than others. And I think it's just getting to know our characters and mm-hmm. not fighting it or working with it. Mm-hmm. You moved to Dubai from London. Mm. How do you see the people in Dubai in terms of the stress? And is, Have you noticed a difference mm. between London and Dubai? Yeah, it's interesting because initially I thought, you know, is there room for me in Dubai? Like, who's stressed? Who needs? Who's questioning their purpose when they've made bold decisions to go and live their dreams out here? Or, but actually, surprisingly, um, learning more and more that you know the working culture is stressful. You know, um, the long hours. Um, I think you know there are different challenges that people are dealing with. People have less. You know, everyone's willing to connect, but they've left behind the connections, close connections. So. There is a sense of real seeking for people. And I think people hit it hard in Dubai. You know, it's very much just stimulation. It's a lot of stimulation. And I think with stimulation comes, again, the same questions of, okay, I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I'm really anxious. I can't switch my thoughts off. All of that is still here. So um, it just looks, it just, it just manifests in a different way. You know, and so I think there is definitely a need. I do hear more. I hope to 
get out to more corporates um, to, to bridge sort of both the mobile worlds together and, and support the corporate world um, and build a sort of my own kind of community for those who are looking for the kind of work I do. Um, even schools, I'm quite interested to see. Uh, we haven't touched upon the dance side, but, but in the UK, there's a huge market around outreach using arts for wellness and thinking about arts in hospitals, arts in education, you know, arts in community settings, um, you know, special needs and, and what that looks like. And um, it's a really, really powerful tool that can enrich someone's life. And, and I think, you know, I've definitely got a bit of an interest there to see how um, I'd love to bring that to Dubai a bit more and, and see what I can do in that space, leveraging mm. the experience, you know, had in London, working in galleries and workshops and, you know, it, that's transformation. You can really see transformation. And because there's one common ground, it doesn't matter where you move in the world, it doesn't matter where you go, that you will always be seeking purpose. You will always be looking for something that doesn't exist it's because no matter how much you go out in the world right and keep achieving and buying things and doing things you know nothing beats the simplicity of being able to sit in your own company being able to feel that you don't need much and you can still be happy but how do you get there and I think all everybody ends up asking themselves that question at some point in their life and you know kind of that's where often a lot of people come to yoga, meditation, wellness, and the arts. You know, so yeah. I agree. I think there's a huge need for this in the city. Um, on the outside, it might look like a very chilled, calm place, mm. but like you say, it's very demanding. Um, there's a lot of people just sat in rush hour traffic for like an hour each, each day, which itself is very time consuming and very stressful. Yeah. In Jobs whereby they, you know, they don't go prepared with their food, so they're popping out to the coffee shop and they're eating lots of heavy foods such as bread, and it's all just having an accumulative effect on their diet and subsequently their mental health. Absolutely, diet and mental health is hugely mm-hmm. massive. You forget that you're feeding a brain which is needs good fats. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You know. So, Nisha, where can people find you? Um, so. Uh, hang out with me on Instagram. I had taken many months off and I've been told to get back on in Dubai. So a huge with me. It's a huge platform <laughs> here in Dubai. Yeah, so I'm getting, you'll see me there. I'm starting to give away uh, tutorials and tips. I'm also soon enough going to be doing a giveaway um, for some private classes, just a special sort of little gift. Um, so huge with niche that's y u j with w i t h niche n e e s h um and then my website yujlifestyle.com um and i run sort of bespoke intimate classes in downtown um in the studio there and one to ones at the moment and I'm starting to build different offerings as well as corporate work okay um so and in the dance side yeah still dances are um, in terms of the arts, not so available in public eye than I would like to see. But um, on the dance side, yes, yeah, so sort of looking into that space as well. So that's everything some, will be that is something to watch out for. The yeah, dance side. absolutely. So it yeah. sounds like that's an area that you would like to expand in yeah, Dubai. Hundred percent. I feel that would be a fantastic niche for you to go into, and a different niche yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Thank you so Thank much you. for being a guest on the show today. Thank you for having me, Zoe. Really, really lovely to be here. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. I love your work. I think it's great what you're doing, and this lady's got a wealth of experience and personal 
sort of you you try and test so much and I think you're a big advocate for wellness so well done keep doing you thank you so yeah. much thank you Absolutely. and thank you guys for tuning in <laughs> thank you <laughs>